Hey, Rockheads. Before we get started today, I want to let you know about an opportunity to get face-to-face with some of your favorite .NET rock stars at Dev Intersection, happening this October from the 25th through the 28th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. One all-day workshop in particular is called Building Single-Page Applications with Angular 2 with John Papa and Dan Wallin. That happens all day Tuesday. Now, this is a hands-on workshop, so you bring your own laptop and do the work. This workshop explores the core pieces that help you build end-to-end SPA solutions, including the role of ES6 in TypeScript, project setup, code structure, using data binding and MVSTAR, abstracted remote data calls through services, routing, and more. You'll see several demos and be provided with the code throughout the workshop that'll help you learn and understand the Angular 2 framework. And if you register for a workshop package before August 3rd, you'll get your choice of a Microsoft Band 2, a Surface 3, or an Xbox One. Plus, you'll save nearly a grand. Get it? All right, well, register now at devintersection.com, and we'll see you there. .NET Rocks, episode 1351, with guest Atlee Hunter. Recorded Thursday, September 8th, 2016. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. I'm very excited today, Richard. Ask me why. Why? My recumbent tricycle is coming out of the garage. Oh, you you got that a few years ago. Is it yeah. coming to life? Yeah, I, I rode it for a while, but after I moved, um, we live in this very hilly area. Yes, you do. That is a serious hill. I would not want to be on a tricycle going down that hill. It's not just the hill itself, but the traffic. The people just drive like crazy. It's a fast road, yeah. Yeah, it's a fast road. It's hilly and it's curvy, and I just didn't have the uh, guts to, to get it out. But what I did was I brought it to a local bicycle repair shop, and this is one of those places where they take kids in school. And instead of, you know, them hanging out after school, they go around to their friends and their family and get used bikes and they bring them in. And then they teach the kids how to fix bikes and how to make bikes and how to put things together. Nice. And at the end of this sort of, I don't know what you would call it, an apprenticeship, they get a bike. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great, great program. Anyway, a good friend of mine, Teo Marieski, He's uh, a guy who who works down there, and he said, yeah, bring it down. We'll fix it up. So he's fixed it all up. After this show, I'm going down to pick it up, and I'm going for a nice long ride. Nice. You know, it's funny. I'm rebuilding a bunch of computers, as is normal for me, you Mm -hmm. know, coming out of the flood and so forth. And uh, one of the young swampers, one of the young guys who just sort of carries boxes and sweeps up stuff around the house while we've been doing all this work, asked me about, you know, what should I get for a computer? And I'm like, if you buy a case and a new SSD, I'll give you enough parts to finish the machine. Yeah, goes, right. <laughs> I, I was just going to go buy one. He says, no, I think you're going to build one. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll help you. So now he's a little freaked out, but it's like, I, I feel good because I end up just shipping those parts off to the recycler. True. There's nothing really wrong with them. No, it's a great thing to do for, for kids, especially yeah. that don't never looked inside a computer, don't even know what's in there. Yeah, just to start, okay, here's a pile of parts. Let's go. I liken it to working on old Volkswagens, you yep. know? Because yeah. the, everything is so easily laid out, it's easy to work on and all that stuff. You really get to understand auto mechanics. And then anything in the 90s or later is to forget it. You this can't. is harder and harder. I mean, yeah. normal PCs are still pretty modular. 
Um, you couldn't service any of the modular components. Mm. You know, there's no way to fix a motherboard or a video card or anything, but yeah, you know, it's pretty much there. And I don't put, I don't strip water cooling, you know, jackets off and on anymore because <laughs> life's too short. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Come a long way since show 69, my friend. Oh, well, remember I used to make blog posts about disassembling a $500 video card to yeah. be able to slide these water cooling jackets onto it and, yeah. and then deal with leaks or when I melted one down. <laughs> Jeez. Who knew video cards got that hot? Those were the days. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> awesome, dude. All right. Well, uh, here's what I got for Better Know Framework. It's called Crazy Music. Go. That music is crazy. So what do you got? Well, you know, last week, we uh, last Wednesday, we spoke to Giorgio, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking about Universal Windows platform apps and uh, Atlee's uh, obviously embracing that stuff for Windows Phone. But um, I went looking for just sort of an easy-to-understand tutorial about Hello World for UWP, right? Oh, cool. And I found one on YouTube, actually. So nice. this is show 1351. If you go to 1351.pwop.me. That brings you to a YouTube tutorial, and it's, of course, free because it's YouTube, creating your first Universal Windows platform app. That's cool. Yep. And Bob Tabor is the guy who does it. He has a whole series and uh, on a, another website, but uh, this one is just out there for free. And, awesome. And uh, he uses Visual Studio Community 2015, and it should be easy for anyone to just download for free and build a Universal Windows platform app. And is also in that show, we talked about this little Windows 10 computer that's Arduino based. That's 135 bucks, and it's a quad core 1.8 gigahertz Latte Panda. Yeah, the crazy Latte Panda. Yeah, I ordered a couple. I did too. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I love your idea about using them as Skype machines because yeah. this is a problem we have as podcasters, right? We have one guest; it's fine on Skype. You can isolate, but if you have two or three or four, if they're all in the same channel, it's, they talk over each other, and it's all that. So right. it's really nice to have dedicated computers for each for each caller, and then you can just sort of blend those things together in Audio Land. Well, plus I got, you remember I got that 43 inch 4K monitor, the gigantic yeah. Dell. Yeah. And that thing actually has four separate HDMI inputs. Really? And it will split the screen into quarters. Wow. So I figured I could get four of these things. They're all HDMI, plug them into the screen, use your, you know, mouse without borders or whatever app you like for, for keyboard mouse extension. Mm. And I can just access all of them looking at them from the, from the one big screen, get all the calls set up. Route all of the audio in and out through my traveler from my dig- my digitizer, and the whole thing gets recorded on audition. And you know, Bob's your uncle. And Bob's your uncle. Yeah. He still we'll is. <laughs> still my uncle. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's add a link to that to that monitor again. I know that you've done it a couple of times, but yeah. it's just so cool. And I might end up getting one as well. It is. It is a giant monitor. There's giant. no two ways about it. Giant, giant monitor. And let me tell you about the pure awesome. The incredible giant pile of awesome <laughs> that is a 100 DPI 4K monitor when you're playing Kerbal Space Program. Oh, boy. That is a lot of Kerbal, man. Wow. A lot of Kerbal. Fantastic. So, yeah, it is good fun. Well, know it, learn it, love it. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1141 that we did back in May of 2015 with Mr. Hunter when we were, you know, still talking about phone dev back when that was a relevant topic. And uh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? That's not right. 
<laughs> it's relevant for him. He may be the only one, but I think he's only him. Yeah, I'll, I'll tease him in a bit. Anyway, and, and the timing of this show is kind of important. You know, we're recording this a couple of weeks before it gets published. There's been the new Apple iPhone Seven announcement, and so Jimmy Burr's comment a year previously, you know, back in May of 2015, I just really resonated with me because, uh, well, let me. We hear a lot about why Apple is successful and what Microsoft has to do to gain parity. Yeah. Carl is right. The iPhone was successful to a large degree because of beautiful apps. Mm. Another big reason is Apple is just better. Their apps, the OS, the hardware. I'm thinking iPad versus service here. If you follow the turtles all the way down, the bottom line is their design is better. I'm a Microsoft fanboy from way back. Heck, I was born and reared and raised on Windows, and it's a better pill, but we need to swallow it. To mm. gain parity, Microsoft simply has to get better at everything it's doing. And I think they are now. They are pivoting, hiring designers, making the development platform more enticing to newcomers. The new Microsoft is exciting. It's pulling me away from my Mac and Linux computers, and I find I'm spending more time on the platform at home, and I'm enjoying the show. Yeah. I don't know that I agree with Jimmy. You don't? You no. don't think they can catch up? I think they can. I, I think the Surface, you know, once you got to like the Surface 3, it was better and more useful than the iPad. Like iPad utilization's fallen through the floor. Yeah. Right? It's just not going anywhere. People ended up not needing them. And I'm not that impressed with the iPhone 7. You know, it's just more of the same. Um, and I, But I also really appreciate that Microsoft just doesn't seem to be chasing the phone anymore. I think they're going to go a different direction. I think the phone is done. I, hmm. More the more I look at like stuff like iPhone seven and and where we are with this, it looks to me like BlackBerry circa two thousand four. Hmm. You know, just a year or two before the iPhone came out, when BlackBerry was on top of the world yeah. with this one trick pony that everybody loved and wanted, and they just kept shipping the same flipping thing. Look now, the keyboard's the other way. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's all it was. And we're waiting for this market to be disrupted. It is time for something completely new. Hmm. And I, I do feel like Microsoft's doing a good job positioning it. I don't know if they'll pull it off or not. Hmm. It's a very hard thing to do. But I'm reading the feedback from the Apple's, the, the iPhone 7 launch, and they're saying it's more of the same, that Apple's yep. not the innovative company. They take what's already been done, and they tweak it to make it look nicer. I heard the same exact thing on uh, on the radio today. As a matter of fact, uh, there are a few things that make it more waterproof. Like yeah, because they got rid of the jack. Well, the jack, the headphone jack one, and also the, the, the button itself isn't a mechanical button, but it's a haptic button, so it's right. sealed, essentially. You know, so I guess that makes it more waterproof. Apparently, it's a faster processor and a better camera, but you're right in terms of the UI, which we all know is the strength of Windows Phone. Uh, the operating system is the, the navigation, the UI. It's just amazing. And, uh, you know, it's more of the same. You're right. But I, I really want to let Atlee chime in. So let's wrap this so up. We'll and, wrap it up. Jimmy, thank you yeah. so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media. Because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. Because we read them. <laughs> no joke. Really, we do. <laughs> I'm just lazy. Tired. You know. Uh, let's bring on Atlee Hunter, one of the most prolific modern UI developers in the world he is. He splits his days between creating cool new apps for Windows phones and tablets and sharing what he has learned via Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and numerous in-person events. Welcome back, Atlee. 
Hey, guys. And uh, we would also just like to say you're feeling a little under the weather, so you, we can tell your voice is not up to your usual level of enthusiasm. Your dulcet tones. Your dulcet tones. Sorry about that. But, uh, oh, trying, to, trying to calm her thing, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Uh, what do you think about this whole you know, iPhone 7 thing and more of the same and disruptive technology? What's your latest take? I, I really do. I think that um, Apple's sort of stumbling on its own marketing now. I mean, just if you look at the comments in the last 24 hours on their courage line about removing the iPhone jack or the headphone jack and how, uh, what was it? It was described in one word, courage. And uh, I don't think anybody really bought that. Yeah. Um, I think that you're right. I think that it's sort of a, it, it's sort of a stagnant pool right now. I mean, there, there needs to be some sort of disruption in the pool. And, and if Microsoft can pull off what they're doing with continuum and maybe sort of a business focused thing, then that would be, uh, you know, that would be possibly the disruption in the platform and the, uh, the industry itself needs it helped to drive, you know, more innovation, drive a, another level of sort of creation and, and infrastructure in both in all the phone markets. And I think that they need it now. I think it's getting a little old in the tooth. Yeah. Yeah. Is anybody really asking people what they want out of their phones now? You know, I think feature wise, they're saturated, honestly, but accessibility wise, I just don't think people know any differently. I mean, I remember using the Windows phone. I remember using the Windows phone back in the day that the thing that I loved about it so much is the user interface and navigation and getting around was only like one click away when I turned it on. But now if, for example, I want to send somebody a text, right? You turn it on, you, you have to find the text app. So you got to go through whatever, you know, swipe, swipe, swipe to get to the text app. And then when you get to the text app, you're at the last conversation you had, which was already done. And now you have to go to the contacts and look up the contact and all that stuff. And what I love about the contact-centric feature of the Windows phone is just it's there on the front screen. We turn it on. Boom. And you're texting. Yeah, I think that, I think that one of the big problems with all the platforms right now is that uh, they're so busy copying each other that they're not – always copying the best parts and they stopped. There's a lot of, there's a lot less individualism in the platforms. So the choice is really not really a choice as much anymore, especially between Android and iOS. Yeah. Relatively same iOS or same UI, relatively same apps, relatively same user experience. I mean, you get more customization, customization on, on Android than you do on iPhone. But when it really comes down to it, you can't really, you know, I mean, there's not huge differentiators in, in the usability. I right. mean, look at the latest versions of both operating systems. And I mean, there's not, I mean, there's little points, but they're little points now. They're not, they're not real. They're not real showstoppers. I mean, yeah. you could literally pick up an iPhone or an Android phone and it'd basically be pretty much the same thing. It wouldn't be a huge, uh, you know, a huge win or a loss on either side. Uh, when it comes to features or apps or any of the other things. Um, I find that Microsoft, with their multiple restarts of the system, has you know had to rebuild features over and over again, and sometimes it takes longer to bring back the features that were the most popular with the users. 
And I think that's one of the things that I think has Windows Phone users frustrated right now yeah. is that some of those people-centric apps and people-centric features aren't quite as people-centric as they were right. in the early days, which were the big you know, deciding factors for Windows Phone. They were the big – UX is a big thing, and I think that for a great part, most of the, the major players are ignoring it. Um, and developers are starting to ignore it by, um, by proxy. You know, uh, they're not looking at, you know, minimizing the clicks, minimizing, you know, minimizing the, the, the frustration of the experience. Yeah. The only thing I see Windows phone apps being minimized now is effort. That it's, you're just putting out as little as necessary to keep the phone, the app operating. So I, I agree with that. I see that there's, uh, there's a lot of, um, sort of lowest common denominator. Let's let's put the minimum amount of work. And it's not even just on Windows Phone. I mean, you've got some apps that are doing a great job on other platforms as well, where the developers are really trying to add new features and listen to the users. Right. But that is really not the rule. That is the, by far the exception nowadays. Agreed. I mean, so are we going to say it? Is Windows Phone dead? Um, so interesting thing. I don't necessarily think Windows Phone is dead. Um. I think that they've got some serious work to do to make it, you know, relevant to any point where any of us want it to be. But I don't necessarily think it's dead. I've still got millions of users. Right. Um, and, I mean, they're all very engageable and they're also very willing to, you know, give feedback. And, and they all love their devices. Some of them are frustrated with certain things. The biggest thing that I find they're frustrated with are updates in the operating system and bugs and things. Yes. Yeah, the, the, the phone actually seems less polished than it did a couple of revs ago. It, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the, the last anniversary update made it a lot better, but there's still a lot of polish to do. There's still a lot of things that need to be fixed and a lot of things that need to be aligned and, and, and just tied off. It really feels like they don't test it as hard as they used to. Yeah. And, and that for me is my big frustration because, um, it comes across in, you know, all sorts of places like apps behave differently than they should in some cases. Um, because of no, th something that's no fault of the developers in, in some cases, uh, in other cases, it's because the developer hasn't kept up with what's going on in the pro in the platform. And, you know, uh, they've just basically, let it sit and thinking that they're not going to put any more effort into it until they make more money, not realizing that it's a business. If you don't put effort into a business, mm -hmm. you don't make money from it. No, it's not going to grow. I think that that's one of the biggest problems that developers have and the platforms have in general is that the app developers, very few of them seem to have gotten it through their head that it's a business. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. One of the funniest things that I hear from developers is, the platform sucks. I wrote an app and I put it in the store and I haven't made any money. And I said, well, what'd you do after you put it in the store? Well, nothing waited for the money. And I'm like, well, then you got paid for what you right. did. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it was the same with web pages when they started. It's the same with podcasts. It's just because you do it doesn't mean people are going to find it. Number one, doesn't mean people are going to like it or, or, or get to it or use it. Yep. It's something that needs constant focus because, you know, what works today also doesn't work tomorrow. Yeah, that, that also Phrase, evolves. The caught eyes last year does not catch eyes forever now. It, you know, you need to go in and modify your, your, your download page and, you know, your screenshots and update things. I mean, 
it happens a lot on iPhone where the app, when you go in and look at it in the store, the screenshots look one way and then the app looks a complete different way when you actually get using it because it doesn't look anything like the screenshots over there because they've added or changed features or modified the UI and haven't updated it. And it causes a lot of problems and confusion with the users. And that leads to, you know, no money. Right. Well, and it's now been a year since they shipped a new Windows phone, right? I mean, that was, what, September of October 2015 when the 950, 950 XL came out. It was November. I think it was late October, early November yeah. when they shipped 950. That's the other thing that drives me nuts is this so-called tech press where they talk about, well, the phone's dead because Microsoft hasn't shipped any phones or hasn't announced any phones. Microsoft announces their phones normally in, in October. Right. I've done for the last few years. It's not October yet, people. Yep. So yeah. they haven't announced any phones. Yep. I, I, I mean, I see comments in, in on you know blog posts or whatever. Also, I just say, well, by that route, Samsung's dead and so is Apple because Samsung hasn't announced the Galaxy 8 and Apple hasn't said a word about the iPhone 8 yet. <laughs> so they must be dead too. Isn't there a problem with the Galaxy 8 just re- recently blowing up or exploding or something? The Note 7 is having batteries uh, explode on charge. Details. Um, it's a it's a similar problem that I think uh, I think iPhone had yeah. in like the 3G or something like a long time ago. Yeah, right. Well, and the problem was with the Note so flipping big. That battery is a lot of battery. Hmm. Oh yeah, it definitely has to be a lot of battery. Yeah, but do you also see this idea that we're we're sort of you know the funny part is while we're complaining that Windows Phone is not doing well. Android and iOS are so similar, it seems like there's an opportunity there to make something different and better. Well, and that's what I think. I think that if they if they take advantage of this sort of stagnation of the other two platforms, because they really have sort of stagnated. I mean, yep. if you look at the UIs, they really haven't changed much. I think iPhone's going to add some widgets or whatever, which will probably be, you know, sort of a, you know, first run attempt at doing stuff like that. Um. Android's got widgets, but they're still not as um, as effective as live tiles because they tend to use tons of resources. I mean, the more widgets you put on your Android phone, the more battery you're kissing goodbye every right. day. Um, and so until until Android comes up with a way to better manage resources and how it allots them and how it handles background tasks and gives some stability to the platform, that's, for me, is the biggest grief as a developer is that I can't trust how my app is going to run even on a top-end phone because all of the other apps have so much ability to take from the resources I'm expecting to have um, that I, it's really hard. It's it's very similar to Windows Mobile when when Windows Mobile was like in version 5 and 6. Um, a lot of the same problems, which I find really kind of surprising. Yeah. But if Microsoft's able to sort of take advantage of this period of, of sort of non-growth from the other two platforms, I think that they could really do something. Now, whether they will or not means to be seen. Um, I find that my plans for my next apps are actually um, to release them first on Windows, and then once they get some traction on Windows, use Windows as the jumping point to get traction on the other platforms by allowing Windows users to invite their friends that are playing with their Android or iOS devices. Yeah. yeah because yeah. you still have a much better chance of visibility in the Windows store than you do in the other two. Sure. Are the stores more organized? I mean, over the years, the shows we've done with you, you've talked about a variety of problems with the Microsoft stores. Is it is that over? 
No, unfortunately, it's not. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Microsoft Store's gotten a lot better in the last probably six to eight months. Yeah. But there's still a lot of fixes. But the interesting thing is, is that one thing that I know is, as a developer, is I mean, the Microsoft Store is sent out emails to developers asking what's, what's wrong, what what can we fix, what features do you want, what's going on. They've made some great strides in allowing us to get more visibility on the information in the back end, which is a big was a big pain point for people that are running their apps as businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they allowed a lot more visibility that way. Hmm. They, they still have a ways to go in fixing, you know, certain bugs and certain things. Um, I think the big problem is, is that they're supporting so many different levels of the platform. Um, I mean, I, you can still have apps out there for Windows Phone 7, and Windows Phone 7s are still attaching to the store. Um, that's something you're not seeing so much on Apple. Uh, you're seeing it way more on Android. Um, but on Apple, you're basically forced to get an update. If your device can take the update, you have to get it. And pretty soon after your device can't get any more updates, they've pretty much built your, your, your phone, your device out of the system. Right. So you have to get device. So with that, with that philosophy, it allows them for a much more streamlined set of, um, processes. So they're able to really sort of hone what's going on. Um, and, and they really only have sort of one or two targets to, to sort of aim at, whereas Microsoft's got several at the moment. Yeah. Microsoft's always been big on backward compatibility, which adds exponentially more work. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to managing and maintaining platforms. Well, that's been, a, but it's also their client, their strength, right? Take the skills you have, we'll bring you to the new thing you need to build. Exactly. And that's, that's a fantastic thing to do. Exactly. And, and I agree with it. I'm just saying it creates an exponential amount of work for them to make sure that it, it maintains the polish and, and, and effect that they need it to have. And they just have to get there. They're working on it and they're getting there. It's just taken way longer than any of us wanted. And I'm sure way longer than they wanted to. Yeah. I think it's absolutely a challenge. And, and again, I, I feel like it's almost like, They've lost a bunch of t- of people around the Windows Phone area, and they're just struggling to maintain the status quo. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, it sort of seemed like when they brought the, the two platforms together and the two cores together, um, they, yeah, they might have gotten rid of a couple of people they should have kept. Um, but, I mean, I, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's really easy to make comments when you're on the outside yeah. looking in. And I really try to avoid that when I can because there's just no way in knowing, right? I mean, even if you're actually work in Microsoft, it's really hard to tell what's going on in other departments and you know why decisions are being made. Yeah. Um, all I can tell is from a consumer's point of view, it's been frustrating. Um, it's getting better, and it has. Um, I mean, when I got my 950 XL, it was pretty much unusable. The operating system was disastrous. Uh, to the point where I literally boxed it for about two months until they put out a couple more updates. And then I slowly, uh, after a while, carrying it with my other phone, uh, my 1520 running 8.1, um, slowly was able to you know, retire my 1520 and use the, the 950. Right. Mm. Which is a weird situation, but they also, people don't listen to what Microsoft says. They tend to prefer to just make their own comments yeah. up and, you know, bash at what's going on. Microsoft said that we're retrenching on phone right now. We're releasing 
a phone for the the enthusiasts and for people that want a, a you know a top end Windows phone. Yeah, right. And it's sort of a gift for you guys. They weren't planning on making a ton of money on it. They knew they weren't going to make a ton of money on it. They weren't advertising at all. It was only available in a few places, but yep. it was available for people like me, people that really wanted a really good high-end new Windows phone. The people that have been bitching for about the fact that there hadn't been a new big flagship model, yep. that they had two years without a flagship model because they had made a whole bunch of mid-level and, um, and entry-level phones and hadn't made a big powerhouse. So they made a powerhouse. I'm sure that, you know, there was a problem between coordinating when the devices went out and when the operating system was released because they wanted to release the operating system a lot sooner than they did. Um, and they, you know, they put the device out with this stipulation that we all knew it was running beta software. Well, unfortunately, you make something available to the public without a disclaimer on the box saying this is beta software. You're going to have some problems, but stick with us. We'll get there. Um it caused a lot of frustration for a bunch of people that, you know, weren't ready for that situation. Yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? I must be that happy time again. You got it. It's time to stick a Galaxy Note 7 between two slices of bread and make a spoom sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, right there. I don't care who you are. Yeah, it's actually time to give away a SyncFusion Essential Studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. With over 650 controls, SyncFusion's Essential Studio is the most comprehensive suite of components available for .NET and JavaScript with world-class diagrams, maps, and charts. Reduce your development time, save some money, and get the best support in the industry. These are just a few of the reasons over 800,000 people make SyncFusion a part of their daily dev process. And now individual developers and small teams can get access to every single control in SyncFusion's library for free. The community license also gives you access to SyncFusion's growing library of enterprise applications like Dashboard Platform and Big Data Platform that can help make sense of complex data. Support and updates are included, too. It's a 10K value for free. Find out more and get started today at SyncFusion.com. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Carrie Jenkins. Congratulations, Carrie. Golf clap for you. Carrie Jenkins wins the SyncFusion Essential Studio. And that's a big pile of awesome from our friends at SyncFusion. Yeah, awesome. If you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .net Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. All right, Atley, it's your turn. If you had five grand to spend on technology today, sir, what would you buy? Hmm, well, I would probably buy, I probably, do I have to spend it today? It's $5,000. Well, maybe today. tomorrow. What are you holding out for, buddy? <laughs> um, Surface 5. Ah. Ah, yeah. That's, nice. that, that should be announced soon. Yeah, it will be announced soon. Yeah, definitely. There'll be a few of those. Yeah. I hope they make, because they never made a Surface 4, the sort of lightweight edition. They just made the Surface 3. So I hope there's a Surface 5 lightweight as well as a Pro. Yeah. I think, yeah, lightweight would be good. Um, I, I hated 
The only thing I, I disliked about my Surface 3 Lightweight was the fact that it had some weird USB charger for it that is the worst charger in the world because it constantly falls out of the device yep. when you're trying to charge it. It's the wor- I, I have no idea. This is a solved problem, charger. people. <laughs> solved. <laughs> Don't screw it up. I was like, why didn't you just use the same kind of one you used for the one, the two, <laughs> or the one for the Pro 4? Uh, but yeah, no, I would I would definitely get like a Surface 5. Um, I wouldn't mind getting a HoloLens. Yep. They're, and they're freely available now. Well, freely being $3,000, but you don't need to qualify or anything. You just order one from the Microsoft Store. No, exactly. I think uh, I get a HoloLens and a, and a Surface 5, and then I'd probably be over budget. You'd be pretty close to out of money. No <laughs> two ways about it. Definitely. Yeah. Well, because I, I get, you know, I, I get the 512, i7. Okay, it's loaded. Whatever, loaded whatever or nothing. Yeah. Loaded or go home. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, get something I can do things with. But I noticed you're not asking for any phones. <laughs> Dude, I don't need any phones. <laughs> <laughs> he invented the drawer of broken dreams. <laughs> He's, he carries it around in a bag. <laughs> I have all of the phones. <laughs> one of each. I have them all. So many phones. You know what? I, I finally put my 950 aside to use a OnePlus 3. And, oh, yeah? And after you like a, you know, a month or two getting used to it, I'm just as unhappy with that phone as I am the Windows phone. Hmm. All oh, phones really? suck, man. Yeah. Um, I, I have a hard time with, with Android. I've got a few high-end Android devices and... Um, the way I end up using them, they end up being high-end Android paperweights. Yeah. <laughs> After a while, because they just uh, the batteries almost never get me through a day. No, no, they they are power pigs. No two ways about it. Mm, are, I really yeah. do like USB C though. Oh yeah, I love that. I mean, I would love to have um, a USB C s- speed charging, but on a magnetic connector on the bottom. Yeah. Because I just I'm tired of I'm tired of all these internal connectors on my devices. Yep. I, there's no reason for it. There hasn't been a reason for it for four or five years, and yet they still keep building them, and I don't understand why. Um, you know the little little magnetic uh, chargers that you can you know just put on, and they're great. Um, everybody's talking about wire, wanting wireless charger on the iPhone. I've had wireless charger on Windows phones for years, and I almost never use it because I find the phones get really hot. Mm. Um, I've got charging pl- plates all over the place, and, and I'll occasionally throw my phone on it, but I find that uh, wireless charging is not a big thing for me, but I love the USB-C because it's insanely fast charging. Yeah. Good. Well, if you get the fast charging um, on the device. Well, right. Yeah, and the power, but the, you know, the, the minimum power availability for USB-C is so much higher that you generally yeah. don't get a good one. And if you, you know, if you try and use USB-C to USB-A cables, you quickly find out your phone's like, nope. Not good enough. Huh. Yeah, not enough. How, yeah. A, a, AKA a way to drain your battery faster. We did find <laughs> a uh, we did find a charger, you know, a, a portable charger brick that can yeah. keep up with the Hololens. Recently, oh really? Yeah, wow. an anchor, A N K E R. Oh nice. Yeah, anchors plus. made some really great things. Yeah. My still my favorite portable charger, my favorite charger brick is one that I got from MVP Summit two years ago. And it's a Microsoft branded one. Yep. And it's a white charger with a, a solar panel on the back. Yep. Very cool. And a flip out two prong plug so I can plug it in anywhere. I left that in an airport somewhere. 
I couldn't, I, you know, uh, mm. and it only speaks to how much I used it. It was a very fast charger. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love that charger yeah. so much. It's still my favorite charger. I have a new one that's like a 12,000 milliamp hour battery. The problem is it's got a skull and crossbones on the case, so the TSA gets pissy at me every time they find it. <laughs> details. Little details. Yeah, listen, people. <laughs> do not put skull and crossbones on the things. It's just a mistake. Just not a good Stop idea. It. Yeah, I'm sooner or later I'm gonna lose that damn thing. Might as well have a t shirt that says frisk me. <laughs> think best way to best way to piss off the uh to, to annoy the TSA, ask oh, them a awesome. question. You know, oh. or use a word with more three syllables. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tell them how excited you are about yeah, them exactly. checking out your bag. Woot! <laughs> so, um, rumor has it you wrote a Slack client for Windows Phone. Yeah, I, um, I wanted to use Slack for something I was doing, and I wasn't able to access it because the uh, Slack client for Windows Phone, the official one, wasn't ready yet. Mm. And there were uh, a number of other ones, but they were very uh, thin, thin uh, features. So, I built a, a Windows 8.1 more traditional UI that just basically uses Slack the way I use it. Uh, it gives me a much better live tile. It gives me a better summary of what's going on. And it also uh, can filter it to show only the uh, people and the channels that have information on it. Good. And also shows a, a good focus of things that are directly aimed at me in Slack. Yeah. So uh, I find it to be a much more efficient way to, to, to use Slack. So What's it called? Yeah, yeah it's called Tartan. And uh, yeah. it's available for Windows Phone 8.1 and Windows Phone 10. Um, I haven't built a 10 version of it. There's, I was, I'm working on a UWP version of it. Oh, cool! I love the idea of only showing things that are uh, only showing channels that have content in them, because that's a big problem with Slack. You know, scrolling up and down and going from one channel to another when there's like a million channels in between your private message channels and your. I mean, it's a simple. Simple problem, but it adds up to a lot of aggravation, right? It does. It adds up to an awful lot of extra work. And, and again, it, it goes back to the whole idea of making things with UXs for the people, right? Right. Very cool. So, And you said you did this for 8.1. So uh, was it easy just um, to integrate the Slack API? Were there any challenges there? Um. Well, yeah, there were a bunch of challenges. Um, their, their API is... Well, better written than a lot of APIs I've seen, but there are a lot of nuances that weren't sort of displayed, and those nuances led to some pretty fair complexity. There's an awful lot of uh, different types of message models. So um, mm. the uh, the big thing was to try and get it to render the different types of messages quickly in a list. Um, I think I'm using nine different item templates for items in there. Plus I have it dynamically write the code for certain message types uh, and write the XAML while it's running. And it's sort of a mix of wow. both to try and make it function smoothly and effectively. But I think I got it pretty well nailed. Wow. That's cool. And uh, do you think like, are there other people that are still writing apps for Windows phone? Do you, do you go to the store and notice that there are new pretty cool apps out there or is it completely dried up other than you no there's a lot of great new apps for windows phone um there's new stuff happening all the time um there's a, a lot of uh, really great new development happening for windows uh, for uwp right um we're seeing a lot of big um third parties um 
come in with with new apps for Windows Phone, banks, and uh, Starbucks, and a few others. Huh. So there's a lot of the stuff that was apps that were originally missing on Windows Phone 8, Windows Phone 8.1, that are coming to it now that it's on Windows 10. Yeah, that's interesting. Some of their tact is working. You're seeing sort of some of that come through. And um, like, for example, um, the Facebook app was a, a tendered Facebook app uh, that Microsoft and Facebook worked on in conjunction. Um, originally, like that was the original one for Windows Phone uh, 7 and 8 and 8.1. And the Windows 10 one is actually solely built by Facebook and maintained by Facebook. Oh, wow. So and it's... It, it's feature. It's pretty much feature parity with the iOS and the Android one as well. Well, it's good to know that that strategy is working at least a little bit. I mean, you know, if that keeps happening, before you know it, there'll be, uh, a, you know, a whole cadre of really good apps, and you know, might make people uh, think twice about the next offering. Well, exactly, and that's that's you know, I think that's what the the plan is. I mean, you're also seeing Microsoft said that they were planning on stepping back from developing phones. They weren't going to build a whole bunch of different models. They're going to build one or two yeah. um, higher end models, sort of like they do with the surface. Right. Um, and sort of as demonstration or our concept models for, uh, for OEMs to build on. And you've seen, mm. there's been a huge influx of OEMs building new uh, windows phones for windows 10 mobile. Um, uh, I think out, Alcatel or Alcatel? Yeah, Alcatel. Just announced one today or yesterday. Wow. Um, so, I mean, there's been at least one every three or four weeks for the last couple of months. Interesting. Um, come out. So there's a number of uh, there's a number of OEMs that are that are building you know new devices, and they're all they seem all to be fairly fairly nice. Most of them are pretty decently high end devices. Do you know any companies that have used the whole bridges uh, architecture thing to take Java code and or uh, Objective C code to? Uh, I don't know of one. I know that I think the Facebook created their own for um, their own bridging for uh, their iOS and Windows. Well, they've got the whole software. React series, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I can't off the top of my head think of one that. That's doing uh, using the bridging. I know there are. I just I just yeah. can't think of any on top of my head. I mean, uh, my my guess would be maybe King with uh, Candy Crush. Yeah, maybe interesting. So uh, I guess this whole thing has been a, a sort of a, a look at the current state of technology and a and a little bit of a look forward. Do you want to put on a, a prediction hat and tell us what you think is going to be happening soon? Well, I'm. Uh, my hope is that they're announcing a a, a nice high end phone coming in in October. In October, they're announcing a nice high end phone. Um, I'd like to see them bring in a phone that's using uh, an Intel based chip, so that you can, in continuum mode, run x86 apps. Yeah. Um, I think that with the uh, with the amount of memory and uh, and storage you can put into a a phone device. I think that we're sort of getting to the time where your computing device can be in your pocket yeah. and then you simply are looking for a screen and a, a keyboard if you need it. I just want to go Cortana, drop to DOS. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Command line me, baby. 
Nobody well, even knows what that They means. seem to be steering away from the Lumia and Microsoft names. Like they're talking, everybody talks about it as a Surface phone. I think they're looking at a, re- a brand reset, I think. Right. Yeah. But I also think you're seeing a collision of technologies. You can run, you know, we were just talking about those Latte Pandas running a full-blown version of Windows 10 on something that was $130. Top and, and is tiny. So, you know, why you know, why would we bother with different chipsets and things like this? Like, we're just getting down to it's a PC running the normal PC stack. It happens to be phone-shaped. Right. And you can make calls on it. Yeah. <laughs> for now. Yeah. For now. I still don't understand why Microsoft hasn't gone for it with the whole Skype thing. Like, just make a Skype phone, make Skype work everywhere, you know, make it to, to totally irrelevant that you're using, whether you use a cellular network or not. In other words, a phone that at the core it uses Skype, not, not that you have to load a Skype app yeah. and make another call. Yeah. You go to make a call, it goes through Skype out, right? It finds another Skype client on the other end. It's just straight up Skype. But I think the bigger thing is just bridging, you know, take that Wi-Fi sense capability and bridge it flawlessly so that you just stop thinking about how you're connecting. And then, and do the thing that I think we all deeply want, which is to make the telco carrier irrelevant. Yeah. I never need a telco carrier in my life ever again. Sell me your bites and shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well said. Yeah, I think that. That would be our, all of our dreams. I think I don't think anybody likes telcos at this point. Yeah. So what's next for you, Atlee? Where are you going to be? What are you doing? Where can we find you? Um. Well, I'm uh, sort of on a hiatus right now while I'm uh, getting better, but uh, I'm hoping to uh, to be doing some uh, new events in the fall. Good. Um, I will definitely let you know when I know exactly what those ones are. Fantastic. Um, going to be working on some new some new games and some new other things uh, in the near future. So I will keep everybody posted about those for sure. Awesome. And uh, thanks for hanging out with us for an hour or so. It's been great. It's always fun to talk to you. Thanks. It's always great to talk to you guys too. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in september 2002 and make sure you check out our sponsors they keep us in business now go write some code see you next time Got a